to your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story, it looks like Minneapolis is on fire. I saw Don Lemon, he's just not very... Uh, professional, <laughs> me neither. But so, but he's got a big job. He was interviewing the guy who owned the store where George Floyd passed a counterfeit twenty. Supposedly, they called the cops. That's their protocol. George was hanging out outside. The cops came, and what the Don Lemon said from from the video everyone's seen, he wasn't resisting. Now the video everyone saw, he was already on the ground, and the cop was saying he was resisting, and the guy who was filming it was implying that he was resisting. And Don Lemon said, we have a video we haven't yet vetted. We'll tell you about it later. But in your surveillance video, did you see him resisting? And the guy said, no, we had the exact same angle as the one you saw. We did not see him resisting. So I thought that was interesting. And and the other, there was a little more video. It did not look like he was resisting. Although I am confused by what they were talking about. So I don't know if there's going to be an art of ambiguity element to this. I really don't know the way there clearly is with the Arbery thing. But Minneapolis is having a bad time. They were saying so was at uh, L.A. and one other place. But L.A., it was really I was looking at the coverage. It was really uh, a dud. They say that there's images of him or video of him sitting on the sidewalk before the I arrest. Saw that. Mm-hmm. So that might be cuff, what Don Lemon is referring to. Back. Yeah. I don't where no, the that was there. That he used to, Don Lemon was talking about something else. Okay. I saw the target being looted. I saw somebody tried to steal a red box, an entire red box. I saw a police station getting rocks thrown into it. There was an auto zone that had been lit on fire yeah. on the inside of it. There was a lot of Ferguson-like stuff going on. We had talked about this rising up. We were talking about it in the yes. context of the Arbery case. The power of crowd psychology, of mass psychology, it overwhelms the individual personality. When someone gets in one of these mass crowds in any context, if they are not alert and actively fighting the the powers of that crowd mentality, then the individual personality is consumed and the individual becomes the crowd and they are almost helpless to it. And when there's these outrage stories, when these stories of police killing a black man or other just really sensitive cultural stories, it triggers that release of outrage that allows people to break the social norms freely. So it snaps the snow. They no longer adhere to the social norms in the crowd. And that's when stuff like this can happen. And it's a, it's a sad and dangerous situation. Yeah. I think, I feel like with the crowd thing, it, 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 I, and I've read some of the stuff that you've sent me. It's your morals are completely, I'm not saying you're totally powerless. Maybe I wouldn't be totally powerless, but yeah. unlikely to be in the crowd. But your morals really change. It's I think it, I really believe it is a deeply psychological thing where your morals change to reflect the crowd around you. Yeah, because your individual personality, it's like it's hiding behind the crowd. It's almost a, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a fear based response from from just hundreds of thousands of years ago you have to go along with the crowd because the crowd can easily crush you yeah 
Absolutely. It reminds me of that book that you sent me a long time ago, Crowds and Power, where they describe all these. Yes, Elias Kennedy. Yeah, it's a great book. Very, very detailed in the way in its descriptions of the effect on crowds. And there's a lot of chapters in there that talk about these ritual crowd kind of unleashing almost like a purge so to speak where the crowds get together one or two days a year and they literally beat the shit out of each other and other cultures yeah it's the will of landrew from the star trek series whipping themselves with chains whipping each other and themselves and it's they go out there to get raped and it's really really crazy but I, i will say following up on yesterday's show Dean tweeted at me this stuff that the AJC had put out about the shootings in Georgia for a six-year period from 2010 to 2015 inclusive. And then in April 2016, Governor Deal passed a reform on how police shootings were handled. And of course, the guys I was tracking, I didn't know about that reform. They were killed in May of 2016 and June of 2016, Ryan Johnson and William David Powell. And there was no indictments handed down. So I don't think there was much to that. I'm looking for some follow-up. But from that period, it show it was studying 104 people who were shot to death by police. And I just have a few quick, if you're interested, quick stats I can throw at you. Yeah. Just interesting. And Dean pointed out that there should be separate investigators and prosecutors for cases like this. And I was thinking, I remember that Jeff Adachi case, that public defender in San Francisco who was got the the person accused of killing, murdering Kate Steinle off, and then he died a very suspicious death. He had been really holding the cops' feet to the fire of all the people I've ever heard, an elected official or politician. He was, and he is dead. Very fishy circumstances, and I don't think he got a good investigation on that. So I think it's dangerous business to interfere with this, and it would be good if they had a totally separate system. How you keep it honest, I don't know. Uh, Just as a few things is that... The median age was for black people was, who were shot by cops was 29. For white people was 41. About half of the victims were white or the people shot by cops were white. Half were black. Two thirds of the cops had more than five years experience. Uh, four fifths of the cops were white. Now, I tried to figure out if four fifths of all cops in Georgia are white. It could be that it has nothing to do with anything. The... The a quarter of the people who were killed had mental health issues. One sixth of them were unarmed. So five sixths of them were armed. Two fifths of them were shot in the back. And most of them were shot more than once. Now, for the the ratio of. I can't even do that. It's so tight. It looks like the, the stats are pretty close across the board between people who were killed by the cops, black or white, aside from the big age disparity. The other details, like the unarmed, shot in the back, mental health issues, shot more than once, all that seems to have been... Now, is the population half white and half black? If the population is more white, but only half of the people who were shot were white, I mean, you have to look at those details. This was a very broad brush study. It did not have the kind of Excel spreadsheets. Not that I could find. It was hard for me to navigate. But I just, Dean's point was, it's not as clear cut as you think how these are handled. However, of the only 10 of the 184 cases went to a grand jury. There was only one cop indicted and that, and then the prosecutor dropped the case anyway. 
So one thing is for sure, they are absolutely given a free pass. Yeah, and the Aubrey story is going to be coming up right on the tail, not the tail end of this one, but as this one is emerging even more, we have an undecided case. See, they already fired these cops, so they've taken an action here, and they have moved around some of these other cops, but these two stories are going to just collide and a powder keg can and blow. My thing, my thing with that Arbery case is that guy was a cop. That guy was a DA investigator. He was, I believe, acted the way he did because of that and was protected the way he was because of that. Yes. And they are. that is why I actually think that it is really, a. it, it is not to go fewer. You will not get more black justice by making this a race issue. You're absolutely right. They are trying to tear us apart and making it a race issue immediately to the exclusion of every other factor that a logical, reasonable analysis of the situation separated from emotion would would see is not doing anybody any favors. It's making the problem worse. And this is what it's designed to do. These protests, I guarantee you they're funded. I guarantee you they're organized by people at the top that love destabilization. Black Lives Matter is the one who did the L.A. thing. But I've been watching this evolve. And when I started covering it in 2012, 2013, the Republicans were against the militarization of the police. They didn't want that. They weren't in favor of it. Or I should say it wasn't politicized. It wasn't cultural. Everybody was scared of what was happening with the RoboCop. Everybody. Then when they made it a black versus blue issue intentionally in my opinion then you had all these i'm gonna just say like white republicans i don't know i'm just that that's the feeling i get all of a sudden not only neutral on it but on the side of the cops and when you're looking at 184 people shot and not one the the one guy who was indicted only 10 were brought to the grand jury i want 184 brought to the grand jury i don't want to make that decision ahead of time I'm not saying the maybe they were all justified. Okay, let's see what the grand jury says. But that's the problem, and you should. There's no reason not to try to take those kind of government privileges, which which Republicans who care about the Bill of Rights don't want. They say they want smaller government, not more powerful government. See what I mean? It's not a natural issue. It's been created to be divisive in order to weaken the power of the people. In my opinion, yeah. And making this thing about race right now and having these riots break out ends any possibility for the masses anyway, for ever getting to the truth, for even solving the real problems that underlie this, which is the use of force and probably the training, the way that they're trained to use force. Oh, absolutely. This is, I think this is really about training, but I am just realizing something. So... We've been talking about how all of a sudden you can walk around your grocery store and say to people, this is bullshit. And they're like, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I notice in my years on Atlanta radio telling the audience that I thought there were conspiracies afoot. I had a the largest proportion, I would say, of middle class, middle age black callers called my show because they knew they, they were, if you think about that culture of being excluded from the Bill of Rights from the beginning, you don't believe in the flag waving. Right? You're, you, you have been from your own family's memory known that. So if 
if you get a subculture who is already kind of this is bullshit most of the time anyway, they're not smoking the Kool-Aid of the rah-rah flag wavers, maybe they're ready to call bullshit on the lockdown. I think that and they if are. And you change the subject and you get the you get the relief valve of being able to protest. This this time you get your permits, you get or you get your nobody cares about the permits. You get your you don't uh have to wear the masks or anything. You can you get your protests. And the protests maybe even drown out. Maybe there are real lockdown protests coming. And they're and they're just going to be drowned out because you can just call it call it then and there. Yeah, I think more people are willing to speak out about it now. I've noticed. I was telling my friend this exact thing last night that I've noticed more people have gained the confidence to say what they feel publicly and among friends because previously it was that spiral of silence where people believed that their opinion was in the minority so they stayed quiet but now that they're recognizing they're hearing other voices echoing their internal feelings they are also speaking up and i think this is a lot more even-handed even one-sided if it's one-sided at all people's perspective on the shutdown is probably towards the anti-shutdown it's probably closer to our position than the position the mainstream media would have everyone maybe, believe maybe race has nothing to do with it maybe subcultures who are more prone to uh see through the bullshit maybe that's not maybe that's just my own perception and maybe it does not pan out a broader scale i don't know you can't really know these things that's why i don't tend to like to generalize about how i'm an individualist i don't know so but i do see psyops when they're coming down i do see they are they are organizing it there are entities who are organizing, at least in L.A. So I'm pretty sure there's a plan here and it could just be justice for this guy. But it seems to it'll probably serve these other purposes. Yeah. As well. And I can't express this enough. I know I've talked about this a lot, but the people organizing these protests that are leading to these riots are going to benefit financially, are going to benefit in their political career. They are activists, organizers, community organizers. They do not care. They latch on to issues that are divisive that they can exploit and use for their own benefit, and they shift the goalpost, and they do not intend to get any of the goals that they promise the people that they organize. They con- they are conning the people that they organize, and there are real consequences for those people, while the people organizing are going to benefit. Do not listen to them. I am not opining on moving the goalpost, which I haven't observed, but I'm sure it's true. I just haven't looked for it. But AOC kind of made her mark by going to those pipeline protests. Yep. Now, this is a chick who interned for Ted Kennedy when she was in college. She's an establishment crafted, created political person. And she used that and the Bernie stuff to make it look like she's grassroots and and that there's some purpose in that. And to me, that's highly exploitive. That's what that is just an example of how they use that stuff for their own personal benefit. Absolutely. Her entire backstory, as we've talked about, is pretty bogus. I have some new information that you probably haven't heard about the Aubrey case that I will tell you right after this word from our sponsor. What's up, guys? With everything going on in the world right now, it couldn't be a better time to grow your own food. 
or if you're like me, to learn how to grow your own food. Something that I've wanted to learn how to do for a long, long time because I want to learn how to live a more sustainable lifestyle. That's why I'm thrilled to have found Neighbors Feed and Seed in Smyrna, Georgia, one of the most welcoming, friendly, and truly helpful places that I have ever been to in my life. They offer affordable, high-quality garden supplies, vegetable plants, bird feeds, chicken feeds, premium pet food, just about anything you can think of, and they got it. And they got it at affordable prices that the big box stores cannot compete with. And the best part about it is that they're locally owned by a fantastic group of folks who are happy to answer any growing or planting questions that you may have. It's the kind of personalized customer service that a beginner like me needs. I'm going to be honest with you. I love Neighbors Feed and Seed. I would hang out there all the time if I could. They would have to kick me out, which they wouldn't do because they're too welcoming and friendly to do it. It's that kind of place, and you can feel it as soon as you walk through the door. So if you are in the Smyrna area, go to Neighbors Feed and Seed. I promise you, you will thank me later. Maybe I'll see you there. In the meantime... You can check out their website at NeighborsFeedAndSeed.com. That's NeighborsFeedAndSeed.com. Or if you have any questions, give them a call at 678-653-8838. That's 678-653-8838. And make sure you tell them that the Propaganda Report sent you. I also want to say that the guys over at Neighbors have put together a special seed packet bundle for listeners that consists of a lot of non-GMO seeds, enough to start a mini farm, basically. And you can get that for $27.99, a price well below the typical price that you're going to find. And you can even get 10% more off of that if you use the discount code PROPAGANDA. And included in your package, you're going to get some instructions, you're going to get some sticker swag, and you're going to get a personal note included in every single order. So check that out. Coupon code PROPAGANDA. They're doing e-commerce now. You're going to love it. That is so awesome. I just love this uh, conflagration. It's a great st- It's a great place. It's like a match made in heaven with yes, exactly, the company. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. I did want to make a couple of other quick announcements on the commercial front, if you can hold your thought for a second. This is your last chance to upgrade to a patron of the truth level on our Patreon for $5 starting Monday. That price is going to go up, but if you get there before Monday, you still have access to our first Friday free for all now 90 minute disappearing patron party once a month, as well as all the extra content. So try to do that. Patron of the truth, $5. I have to slow uh, down my drinking. If it's going to be 90 minutes. I know I was a little worried about that, but people are clamoring and there are a lot of people into it. And because we have to start dividing it up because it's getting too crowded, I decided, or we thought it should be longer, but I'll show you some tricks, Binkley. (laughs) So also, we do, uh, we really want to get our search search up in the different podcasting platforms. So if wherever your po- favorite pop- podcasting platform is, please subscribe to us there. And also subscribe to us on your second favorite podcasting platform. Any podcasting platform that you use, if you will subscribe to Propaganda Report, that will help us appear higher in the search searches everywhere. Thank you. Tell me if you've heard this about the Aubrey case. Now, before I present this information... I'm giving information. I'm not making a judgment on right or wrong. I'm simply telling information that they're not talking about in the news when they talk about this case. And that is that Aubrey, along with some of the other arrests he had had previously, and like it or not, this is going to factor in. The defense lawyers will use this stuff during the case or in defense of their clients. He was arrested for obstructing law enforcement by use of threats or violence, a felony back in 2013. So that 
is a history that... I did hear that. I did fa- find that. There's, there's more. Oh, okay. Part of what they're going to claim is that they knew Arbery. They were aware of his past history because they're going to have to claim that in order for their defense, in order for them to justify to the, the court that they had guns. So we well, thought there did, was violent force. But he did. He, was, he had investigated him. I know. That's what I'm saying. So they're yeah, going to claim McMichael's, special knowledge about that. Yeah. And Although he has said he didn't, but he's going to change that story. And in June of 2018, his mom, Aubrey's mom, called 911 and asked for help because she said that her son took her car keys and would not give her car keys back. And she said this, quote, and he has mental issues that seem to be getting worse. So this is his mom calling the police on him. And then she then says she doesn't want him to get hurt. She tells the 911 operator this. If they come out here and rough him up and beat him up, then I, I might as well have not called. I don't want you to beat him up. To which the operator says, ma'am, he's not going to do that, but they will have to protect themselves if he attacks them. And then his mom says, because I've seen a lot of this stuff on TV talking about not wanting to get him hurt. That part is interesting to me. All of it's interesting to me, but that part specifically, seeing it on TV. We are seeing on TV right now the propagation of intentional race division. CNN, MSNBC are putting these propaganda stories. They're not telling the full story. They're pulling them out of context. They're specifically making them racial. And this is a real effect that it has. It affects his mom. She called the police, but she said, just don't hurt him. And it probably affected him, I'm sure, because if he sees it on TV and if he expects to be attacked every time he sees an officer, then he is going to be defensive and going to want to fight for his life. And CNN and these other networks have blood on their hands for the way they report these stories. I'm, you might have to explain it a little better to me because I personally in my life and with my kids, my father always taught me not to call the cops, but I kind of sloughed that off as I got older because my kids aren't little criminal hellions like his kids were. And now my kids have independently decided that. And I also say that, especially since I have a special needs son, I actually think that you're inviting danger when you call the cops. I hate to say it. But I really feel like I, I really would not do it unless it's... I'm talking about from the perspective of an African-American that sees a cop coming his way. If everything he sees on TV is telling him that that cop is going to kill him, then his reaction is going to be ready to fight for his life. And the media is propagating this idea oh, okay. so that you're the cop is going to kill him. You're saying generally. Yes. Not in the Arbery case because he yeah. didn't see them as cops. I'm probably. saying okay, the general okay. theme that every interaction yes, it is racist. The, it escalates it right out of the gate. It's escalating right out of the gate. Yeah. It's making yeah. them afraid for their lives. And this is a real, this is, he, he might, he might have reacted the way he did because some of his past interactions combined with seeing in the news all the time that everything is racist. He definitely had, I mean, I shouldn't say definitely, but his what his mom said and the DA, for what that's worth, said that he had mental issues. I expected that to come up. Yeah. He definitely, he was acting not sanely. Yeah. It was reckless of him to, but I, those people were blocking his way. I get it, but it was reckless to go for it. Now, should he have submitted and let them citizens arrest him I, i'm not sure i like that either but <sighs> he probably thought they were gonna take him somewhere and do something to him yeah yeah I, yeah actually yeah that's probably true it's 
the Corona thing is really mind bending. This is complete <laughs> bullshit. And the race thing is too. I mean, it's just, they're just trying to, it's a pathocracy. It's a pathocracy. The system is designed to keep us down so they can exploit us in every way, just as biological organisms looks like it's going to be. And, yeah. <laughs> That's what the fourth industrial revolution is about. You don't even have to be a tax slave anymore. You just have to be right a, a copperhead. Yeah, people are scared, too. They're anxious. They're especially if they're looking for work or out of work and they have kids, they have rent, they the job interviews they were going to try and go on are canceled. The internships are canceled. Oh, oh, tell me about it. That is really affecting the lives of many, many people I know. It's it's too nuts. To, I can't even get my mind around it. Yeah. But we're worried about Jimmy Fallon doing a Chris Rock impression 20 years ago. Yeah, Jimmy Fallon. Still in the headlines. He apologized for his Chris Rock in, impression from two, the year 2000 where he did a sketch from SNL, which a bunch of people were involved in creating, and he said it was wrong to do that, and he full-heartedly apologized. So he submitted to apologize for something that he did absolutely nothing wrong. He said he made a bad decision, and I would posit that when Dave Chappelle was at the top of his game, he he said that even when he was at the top of his game, there was relentless pressure for him to wear a dress. And he just did not want to wear a dress. He just did not want to play that character. He felt that black men were always put in dresses to emasculate them. And he was not going to play that game. He said the pressure was relentless. So I cannot imagine a 20-year-old or whatever, Jimmy Fallon, Lauren Michaels tells him what to do. He's going to do it. But in, in... who came to his defense is Jamie Foxx, who I guess was on In Living Color. He said about Fallon, he was doing an impression of Chris Rock. It wasn't blackface. We comedians, I know it's a tough time right now, but this, I guess he meant we are comedians. I know it's a tough time, but this one is a stretch. On a show called In Living Color, we played every race. This one, let this one go. We got bigger fresh fish to fry. Hashtag change course. Yeah, he's right. If you look at his the what that sketch was, you see the context of it. And the only reason this is a news story is because they are trying to propagate the racial division theme. That's why every story over the past And then week, you have to apologize even you can't explain. You can't explain and just say it was this, it was that. You have to abjectly apologize. Yeah. Who every, else did that Lori Lachlan, I think, is gonna have to apologize. Yeah. And uh even though I'm sure she didn't do it. And there was somebody else who came out with an abject apology for really no good reason. Recently? <sighs> yeah, I can't remember who it was. So Biden has announced that he hopes to have his VP selected by August 1st. So we get to see a summer of The Bachelorette trying to be or The Bachelor. <laughs> Trying to be Joe He's Biden's. just going to smell their hair. I yeah. don't see why. That's a, whoever has the best smelling hair. He has promised that it will be a woman. He's committed to nominating a woman. And he now... smells a guy's hair. He's being... Yeah, well, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> he's being lobbied by a bunch of different race-based groups, like Latinos, African-Americans, to cho- not white... There's not white lobbyists saying, choose a white woman. Definitely none of those. But there are lobbyists for other races... Other what about the gender spectrum? No, he's not. He's not. If he chooses a man, there would be probably just but mass what about outrage. A, a, 
not a man, neither a man nor a woman. What's why does it have to be a man or a woman? That's true. That really is discriminating to people who are fluid. He should yeah, commit understand. to choosing a fluid, gender fluid yeah. person. The word is that Kamala Harris right now is the front runner for his She's pick. Such a dud. The Illuminati Knights Templar, Kamala Harris. We have to do a special report on her. Yeah, it'd be great if he picked her. I'd love it if he picked her. Him or Abrams, I'm in. She's such a dud, Kamala. She is. So they, did you say they dropped the coronavirus stock trading thing? I'm like, Congressman, I think they maybe did that. Everybody but Senator Burr, the guy who was. Yeah, the Department of Justice dropped the cases just, yeah. of insider trading that Kelly Loeffler yeah. of Georgia yeah. was involved in. Yeah, I think Burr is still on the hot seat. So we'll see how that goes. If they didn't drop it against him, I would think. What about this executive order? Gone. Ugh. The executive order. I knew the Twitter thing was just building up to something. He, I couldn't see that maybe it came out since we started recording here, but the executive order's words were not available yet. But there was plenty of coverage on it that what the goal is, which has been a longstanding goal of Trump, is to eliminate Section 230. I don't know if you remember the USMCA. The sticking point with the Democrats was that Trump was trying to not extend Section 230 protection broadly on on the Internet. And what Section 230 is, there are two big elements to it. One is that Internet providers or whatever platforms can't are not liable for stuff that gets published on their platforms, but at the same time, they are permitted to censor at will. So it's kind of having your cake and eating it too. So if it's a completely neutral platform, they should do nothing. But if it's a publishing platform, they're responsible for what they publish, and that's why they can censor. So this is how the internet got big, is that these people had kind of carte blanche of how to use their stuff, but weren't responsible for their decisions at all. Now, that's kind of okay with me. I don't like the censorship thing, but if it is a private entity, I don't don't know. I'm not going to hash out the nuances here, but but this has been on the block for for Trump. This is one of those things where Trump's taking the lead on it. I don't know why, but Barr, A.G. Barr, said this thing was all in place because we needed to give the fledgling internet protection. These guys aren't startups anymore. They're titans, and we can take these protections away from them. Of course, that's the lie is in the answer. It just means that only an incumbent, only a big player, only one of the oligopolists can afford this kind of regulation, and it keeps upstarts from ever being being able to rise to where they can be liable for what's being said. So they still want to give them the censorship rights, but they want to... I believe it works like this. They want to take away the liability protection. Now, once you take away the liability protection, it's basically a fiduciary duty of the people of these platforms to regulate the speech because they have to answer to their shareholders. They're exposing them. And that's going to lead to, I think it's even going to be in the executive order, councils for fairness. They want to make sure that it's politically unbiased. So you have a fairness doctrine, which I said from the day Trump got elected, I believe very close to that day, we would get a fairness doctrine from the right. So there will just be a lot of regulation. And I I think it may be, it may be 
Section 230, the part about regulating the speech that allows these platforms to violate the First Amendment when publics wouldn't. So I always talk about that. If, if publics uses cops to patrol their their parking lot, they have to respect the First Amendment. They're considered a public space for that reason. And I've always wondered why these actual public fora for speech are not so protected. And it could be because of the Section 230 language. So they'll probably just rewrite it. FISA is getting tabled too. The FISA extensions are getting tabled. They'll probably just rewrite that stuff. So I feel like, well, the cat's away. While the First Amendment is suppressed, they're going to rewrite some really, really serious legislation. That they will. (laughs) The executive order is encroaching on clear legislation. So there's uh, for sure a balance of powers issue here. Interesting to see what gets passed through, why everybody's focused on other things and what the lasting impact of it might be. There are people on the right who are definitely begging for this, though. So We got stuff on Chinese students, uh, coronavirus on Sesame Street, and I think you had some Epstein updates, right, for the Patron 15? I do. I've been watching the Epstein documentary, Filthy Rich, and I have some opinions on it, and also some stuff about the Hong Kong riots that have emerged and how it relates to what's going on domestically here. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every week afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every day that we post a Drive Time News Blast, go to patreon.com slash propagandareport and become a patron, and we will talk to you in the Patron 15.